Hey, Richard Gottlieb. Chris Burns. How you doing? Chris, I'm doing well because it is the second anniversary of the Playground Podcast. And boy, it's been a fast two years. It has been. This is the Playground Podcast with me, Chris Byrne, and Richard Gottlieb. And we are brought to you by Global Toy Experts, the Toy Guy Marketing and Media Agency, Chizcom, and Precise.tv. And it's we're entering year three. Can you even believe it? Half the time, we, we've been under the quarantine. Right. Uh, you and I originally did this thing face-to-face um, and have had to go remote. And to our relief, it worked. Uh, but I certainly am looking forward to being able to get together with you in person again. And I'm, be- I'm looking forward to hitting the road. Let's go back to, to China. Let's go to Shenzhen. Let's, let's uh, hang out with all those cool people in Nuremberg that we talked to and all of that, all of that stuff that we've been doing, uh, sweet, sweet, and being able to be one-on-one with people. This has been great. But as everyone's been saying to us during the pandemic, there's nothing like face-to-face interaction. That's true. Uh, and, but you know, Chris, I, I have read uh, a number of articles that um, people who are introverted, and, and, and I'm not being facetious, I don't think there's too many of them in the toy industry, uh, but introverts are going to have a hard time. But extroverts will love going back, and we are an extroverted industry. Just go to Toy Fair and walk the floor. Right, right, exactly. So... I mean, it's fun to look back, but I think we should take a little time and look ahead because we are coming out of this. You've been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. It looks like we're going to be coming out of this, at least in the U.S. I've been talking to folks in Canada where they've kind of slammed things shut again, and we don't know what's going to happen as they open up in the U.K., Italy. It, it's, going to be, it's going to be a challenge as we come out of this. Well, Chris, I want to get into all that with you, but I think just for a minute we we should indulge ourselves and and listeners. I hope you you will enjoy just a quick little trip back in time uh, in doing this show. Uh, Chris and I have actually recorded from Guangzhou in China at the Toy and Edu uh, Fair. We have recorded in Nuremberg at the Spielbaren Messe, and we have recorded in New York at Toy Fair. We were at Sweet Sweet. Right. We talked to everybody at Sweet Sweet. That was really fun. And, and we've met some very nice people along the way. And we've had a number of just really interesting and enjoyable interviews. Several people from Mattel, Richard Dixon. We had Chris Dowd and Kim Colmoni, both also from Mattel. And I am just so impressed by the smarts, the insight, and the fun of the people we've been talking to. Oh, sure. And Maura Reagan, the president of the Licensing Association. Robin Raskin, who is brilliant, but particularly in anything to do with technology. We've had Jamie Gallagher was on our show from Faber-Castell. Jay Foreman. We can't name everybody because there's been quite a few, but it's been quite a journey. And I, and I think you and I have both really learned a lot as we've done this. Absolutely. It's been an unprecedented time to have people talking to us fairly unfiltered and fairly directly about what's going on in the business. And we certainly hope that it's been useful and entertaining for our listeners. Now, on to the future, Chris. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the show's coming up, and it's really interesting to me right now. One of the things I noticed, I, I recently ran a survey. One of the questions was related to Dallas Toy Fair. And at least of 156 people who responded, uh, only 18% indicated they were going. So I don't know 
what that portends, it, it could be just people at this moment in time are unsure. I think that a lot of us are vaccinated. I'm planning on going. Maybe people still have some squeamishness around it. So what have you heard? Well, I've heard that people are eager to go, and I think that there's there's a level of excitement about being able to be together again, but at the same time, everyone I talk to is taking a wait-and-see attitude. They're not, they haven't booked their flights yet, and I don't know if they're committed to the space yet, but I know that there's a, there is a question about will we be able to do that. The one time people are confident that we're going to be together as a business is Hong Kong in 2022, in January. That, that's the one I hear is people are reasonably confident about that. Yeah, I think that, I think Nuremberg, and, and then, of course, Toy Fair. Anyway, I think that it's going to get back to normal. We're getting back to normal. But I think people are, are still a little wait and see right now. Right. And there's a lot of things that are uncertain as we as we come out of it. I mean, there's there are questions of inflation. Consumer prices are up. Is inflation going to be something that, that we've seen? You and I had talked earlier about shrinkflation. and. Right. And I noticed that the other day. I don't eat ice cream, but I was standing in line at the grocery store, <laughs> and Haagen-Dazs is now 14 ounces. It used to be a pint. It used to be 16 ounces, and I was thinking of you and, and this whole concept. <laughs> That's really interesting. Inflation is very definitely a factor, Chris. Uh, it's happening. Today is April 14th, and uh, there was a report today about inflation going up, and we're certainly seeing it in the toy industry cost of plastics is up, cost of paper is up, cost of cardboard is up. Uh, of course, we all know about the challenges with freight. One area, Chris, I'm not hearing, and I've inquired about this, I'm not hearing about wage increases in China, but I am hearing about the relationship of the renminbi, the Chinese currency, to the U.S. currency, and the relative values, and that the American dollar has decreased in value against the renminbi. And when the, the currency changes in value, what that means is that the entire cost of the product is impacted. If you add in all those other cost variables, I think we're going to see we're going to see prices going up. And you see it at the supermarket. You see it everywhere. You're going to see it in the toy aisles as well. Chris, you've had a chance to look at some products. I know you can't talk about anything specific because it's embargoed, um, but are you getting any kind of a general sense of where the industry is on new product in uncertain times? I would say that overall, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of great product. I'm seeing a lot of fun product, but I'm seeing a lot of conservative product. And by that, I mean, people are expanding brands. They are not necessarily trying to launch a new brand. So you will see innovation from Lego, for example. One I can talk about is their new video product, which is about building and creating music videos that you can share. And it really leverages technology in a way that's great for building community. And it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit more sophisticated. It takes a little time, but it's definitely, definitely creative. So you're going to see a lot more of that type of thing where kids can actually share what they're doing through technology because they're not seeing one another face to face. A lot of great strength in outdoor there's going to be a lot of really creative stuff coming out for this spring, especially as the backyard will probably continue to be the vacation destination, at least for the first part of the summer. So it's, it's very encouraging. I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out. And we always tend to forget 
as adults that it's brand new for the kids who are just aging up into it. So it doesn't have to set the world on fire. It can just be a good toy sometimes. I was looking at uh, some data from the Insights family, and they uh, survey hundreds of thousands of kids and parents a year. And one of the questions they asked them is, what toy don't you have that you want? Uh-huh. And I thought it was interesting. Number one was Lego. Number two was Barbie. Number three was LOL, dolls. Four was cars, and five was PlayStation. And I'm thinking, and by the way, six is Nerf. So I'm thinking, you know, those are all classic products. Right. Do you think this is going to be a year uh, where classic products are going to really dominate? Do you have a sense that, they want, that it's not a year for the hot toy, but it's a year for the classic toy? Well, I think the classic toy is going to be the hot toy this year to, to turn that <laughs> to turn that a little bit on it on its end. But I look at what Nerf is doing. Nerf is building out their community they have recently announced we talked about this their their tiktok influencer campaign i think a lot of the companies are looking at how do i grow my established audience and how do i serve them because they are looking for novelty they may not be picking up something new but they're definitely going to buy more deeply in established brands and i think all the brands you mentioned really are brands that lend themselves to incremental purchases whether it's lol surprise or lego or barbie all of those I think it's great for continuing the engagement. And that's certainly one of the trends we've heard from parents and we've heard from toy companies is the level of engagement that's happened in the past year because of the pandemic is something parents are looking for and toy makers are looking to deliver. Well, Chris, I guess let me ask you the question this way. Um, Is money, energy, and passion going into creating new and different or is it really going into really generating new formats to communicate the products? In other words, are new forms of marketing where the where companies' energy is going this year rather than in new and, and different products? That's such a fascinating question. I think a lot of effort is going into new ways to communicate because One thing we've certainly seen over the past couple of years is you can't just make a toy and put it on the shelf. You have to find an innovative way of marketing. And as the marketing environment has become fragmented, certainly based on people we've had on this show, from Shane Krangle at Margot Media to all of the other people who do research, they know that you've got to get in front of the consumer. And the consumer is not sitting in front of the television. The consumer is online and engaged in making their own videos. So you've got to find a way to engage consumers that goes beyond the typical TV advertising, which is which has been outmoded for a while now anyhow. So I definitely think the investment in how do I build my community, how do I reach my community in different and varied ways is really critically important for toy companies right now. The other thing I'm thinking about, Chris, is if, if I'm Mattel as an example, and uh, my Barbie uh, Dreamhouse had a huge year last year, and I could not supply demand. Do I really need to change that product this year? Or do I just have to make sure it gets out there into the marketplace in quantity? Well, I think you can amortize, <laughs> I think you can amortize the investment. They did have a new Barbie Dreamhouse last year, a redesigned Dreamhouse. They, they redesign it pretty regularly. It was pretty exciting, had a lot more bells and whistles. 
at the same price. So I think that that's a, that's a good thing. But one of the things the toy industry has always wanted to do was to be able to get a second or even third year out of a product to amortize the costs of development and production. So I think that if you didn't get a Barbie Dreamhouse last year, you're going to be very happy with the one you get this year. Chris, as we're talking, I, I just get this powerful feeling that the industry's energy is going to be in getting products to market due to the logistic challenges and in, in communicating that product to consumers. And that is going to be the big challenges for the industry this year. And it's a good problem because I, I think we're going to have a good year. But I, th- I think the challenge is going to be to figure out what is the right platform for me to communicate my product and how am I going to get my product into the marketplace. I'm, I mean, on a very functional level, what port do I bring it into? Right, yeah. Notice do I need this year as opposed to other years in shipping it? What challenges am I going to have economically in terms of freight costs and in terms of if I have to fly product over, which is more cost? And plus fighting inflation. So I think our toy companies are, are going to be not overwhelmed, but certainly whelmed. <laughs> with a lot of these elements coming up. The, the other thing, Chris, I wanted to, to talk about was we, I, I believe one of our guests used the term backyard envy to describe this desire of people to invest money in their backyards, in swing sets, trampolines, scooters, uh, you know, all these sorts of things. What are you picking up in terms of outdoor play? think that you're you're right and our our guest was right because people are investing in the backyard they're not investing in airplane tickets or long trips or hotel rooms or meals out they're investing in making the backyard a destination for their kids for their kids friends and it's not just the backyard people have been investing in home theaters as well and 4k tvs and and bigger screen tvs so the home is becoming an entertainment hub Whereas before the pandemic, the entertainment was largely happening outside the home. I think what we're going to see when we're on the other side of this is a hybridization of that, as with many things, that the the home is still going to be a destination. Yeah, but I wonder if, for instance, let's take miniature golf as an example. I always liked miniature golf. You always had to go to the miniature golf place. Just kind of like you had to go to the movies. It was the third place to have to enjoy the entertainment. Well, people build miniature golf courses in their backyard. Will croquet make a comeback? People are going to put bowling alleys in their basement. <laughs> are we going to see a move from third-party entertainment, where I go and I pay to play, to in-home entertainment, where I will, I will in my own home and in my own backyard have these play elements that I, that I don't have to go elsewhere for. I think it completely depends on the play experience. I, I don't think it's going to be likely that people will have large plastic hippos in their backyard for the... I have one in my... No. <laughs> that was about... That is the, the sum total of my golf interest or capability. is got to get through the windmill, getting the ball through the windmill. But I think where it's possible to do it at home, people will. I read an article last week about... People looking for real estate in New Jersey are asking for home theaters. They want a room that is a dedicated home theater. 
and some of the pictures looked like what you see in Hollywood homes. And this is Montclair, New Jersey. So I think that it's something that we are changing as a culture. And I think the implication for movies is going to be we're not going to necessarily have the opening weekend as a cultural event any longer. And that's going to be a challenge for marketing. Uh, You know, Chris, as we sit here, I think we have to really accept the fact that we really will not know what happened (laughs) 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 until after it happened. And when we look back in two, three years, we're going to see a lot of stuff that we missed right now. Oh, I completely agree. Things are happening. Chris, as, as far as 2021 is concerned, you know, I... I think we can anticipate a pretty good year this year. We probably should talk about what we're hearing out there from folks in terms of how they feel the year is going to come out for them personally. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, anecdotally, I've talked to a number of people. I know you have, too. Uh, there is a cautious optimism. They feel they're going to have another strong year. But I, 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 to quantify that, I, I, I want to point to the response we had to a survey question, uh, and it was, how do you expect to finish in 2021? And 156 people responded. And of those, over 51% said they expected to increase their revenue this year. And another 23%, Chris, said they expected business to be as good as last year. So that's uh, 70, uh, basically 75% of the toy industry is expanding to have their revenue up, or even with last year. Uh, that's a pretty, uh, I mean, I know that we need to be optimistic, <laughs> you know, uh, to get through life, uh, particularly in the toy business. But I, I, I think that speaks to a general optimism. I think so, too. And the toy industry, as you say, is relentlessly optimistic. I think that's going to bode well, because I do think that we are not out of this pandemic as fast as we thought we might be. And if you look at the sales from last year, the real bump where it really was much bigger than than in previous years was in second and third quarter. And I still think that we're going to have strong sales in second and third quarter this year, which will set us up well for Q4 and holiday sales as well. And and Chris, I might point out this was um, despite the fact that 88% of respondents said they were experiencing price increases. And by the way, we, we polled them on uh, what worried them. And price increases was number one. Supply chain was number two. Raw material costs, three. Coronavirus was another four. The toy industry is being faced with fundamentals. Right. Pricing, supply chain. And coronavirus is fading in importance compared to those things. Maybe because we feel we know how to, that we can still be in bit with coronavirus. Right. We're going to be on the other side of coronavirus. It's going to take a long time for the supply chain to, to fix itself. I'm hearing from a lot of toy companies that they are postponing promotions because stuff is two, three weeks late. And the, the Suez Canal boat was only one, <laughs> was yeah. only, was only one example of how supply from from asia is being slowed down getting into the united states so timing is off for people and it's it's a little bit of a nail-biting situation so richard we can't ask tell us a secret because we have no secrets for one another (laughs) it's that kind of a relationship and uh, at least when it comes to toys but i was wondering if you picked one thing that you're looking at as having a profound impact on the toy industry going ahead 
What would that be as we go into our third year? I think the thing to watch is is still the absence of a true toy retailer in the United States of any kind of size. And we have a number of wonderful independent toy companies around the country, but we don't have uh, a Toys R Us. Uh, you know, we and I understand Toys R Us is going to come back in some form, but I'm very much wait and see yeah. when it comes to that. Of course. Uh, but other countries have very successful chains. In, in the UK, the Entertainer and, and Smiths. From Canada, we had uh, Indigo and, and Mastermind. Indigo is a book chain, but but very much in a, a toy company. And, and Mastermind is a fabulous toy retailer. So why do are we in the United States lacking a country of this size? Why would it be this be the only country where uh, a great toy store can't be a huge success. I don't get it. I think uh, it's a real missing piece. And I, I'm looking for a, a toy chain uh, company that's proven their business model in other countries to come in here and set up shop and do some business. And let's hope so, because everybody in the industry and kids are going to benefit. And I, I, I've been thinking about it in terms of consumption. And I think something that you and I have touched on and that is already established in China and will be coming here very quickly, which is social commerce, which is using the social media platforms to directly purchase products. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to see the evolution of TikTok into a place where people not only find things, but they buy things immediately. And it's going to change the relationship between companies and influencers. So I think that is a dynamic area. It's one that's quickly maturing, and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how do we address these different market niches with product and people and hopefully toys. Absolutely. So, Richard, as we roll into year three of the Playground hey. podcast, we have some very exciting people coming up. We've got more senior executives, more C-suite people, more marketing researchers, more people who will continue to provide their insights on the toy industry. We are certainly grateful to all the people who have been listening and who have said such kind things to us. I would like to say that if uh, you're listening and you have a topic you'd like us to cover, if there is uh, someone you think we should interview, please write us. My, my email is richard at globaltoyexperts.com. Love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you, and we certainly appreciate that you've been listening. This is the Playground Podcast with me, Chris Byrne, and Richard Gottlieb, and we are brought to you by Global Toy Experts, the Toy Guy, Marketing and Media Agency, Chizcom, and Precise.tv. And we will see you next time for our first episode in our third year.